OmegaMetroid.com is here. We're so proud to finally share our website with you, giving Metroid fans a dedicated one-stop shop for the latest news, fan creations, walkthroughs, maps, and of course, the latest episodes of the Omega Metroid Podcast. That's not all. If you'd rather listen on YouTube, you can check out episodes there. And if you really want to take your Omega Metroid experience to the next level, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll get access to special Discord roles, a platform on the website to promote your projects, exclusive bonus shows, and so much more. Memberships start as low as $1 a month. OmegaMetroid.com is the source of all this great content. So whether you're a new Metroid fan or a series veteran, OmegaMetroid.com is the place for you. Check out OmegaMetroid.com today. Welcome to the ZeldaCast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spiteri, joined by Allison Aletha. Al, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little tired. We were, my sister and I were out of town yesterday, and we went to Spokane, Washington. It's about two hours away from where I live, and we went shopping and exploring. That's kind of been our deal lately, is going somewhere and shopping and exploring. But we got home so late, and so I'm I'm a little worn out today. <laughs> what is so late for you? Because I know that like we have definitions of late, and definitely def- different definitions of early. So we got home around. Well, I guess maybe this isn't so late for a lot of people, but like twelve thirty. Okay. But oh, that's we still had late. to like we that's had late. to put away all our stuff and like make sure the cats were okay, and then we finally went and crashed. Right. So probably about one thirty when I finally went to bed. <laughs> well, what time did you get up? That's the real question. Because I, I think that like as soon as the sun, there's like a little bit of light from the sun. You're just like, it's time to start my day. <laughs> yeah, I was up at eight today, <laughs> oh. <laughs> which oh. I guess is still like six and a half hours of sleep. But like we were on our feet all day yesterday. So I'm just I'm like feeling it today. You know what I mean? I, I feel that. Yeah, I feel a little bit tired myself. But not, like, I didn't do anything yesterday. Uh, so Sam and I took our dog for a walk. And I, I don't know if anyone, uh, like, that listens to this show or anything like that or follows me on Twitter has picked up on this. But my dog is, is like, a reactive dog. So, like, when he sees other dogs and he, he kind of goes off and, you know, he's not aggressive. He just he gets excited and he's just like, hey. And uh, so we were up for a walk yesterday and, like, he, uh, we kind of... We kind of bottlenecked ourselves into a really bad spot. So, like, we, we walked along this this path, and, like, we had to walk back, but there was, like, a narrow path, and, like, um, a bunch of other dogs came in, and, like, he was just going nuts. And so, like, I was... Both of us were, like, moving off into, like, the, the bushes on the side, so I got, like, thorns in my shoes. It's just It was a complete disaster, and, like, Link was pulling me, and, like, oh, uh, So uh, we got back, and, uh, like, just t- kind of... Everybody was kind of grumpy and just kind of, like... Not grumpy at, at Link, just like, you know, it's just like kind of crappy thing. And like, yeah, so I was just kind of one of those nights where it's just like, oh, God. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I still kind of feel a little bit tired, like from that. It's, uh, you know, my dog is big and strong. He's way stronger than I am. So he was like kind of hauling me around and I was like trying to wrangle him in. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, a, it's been a long week actually for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to put that aside talk about some zelda uh yes. today and before before we get so what we got on on tap for today is we are talking uh all things tears of the kingdom and maybe if we have time some other zelda stuff as well we're gonna do a daily debate round table and we're gonna we're gonna give you our two cents on uh, a lot of our incredible writing staff's questions um but before we get there allison mm-hmm. i have a question for you Okay. Are you, or have you been following the controversy, I guess you could say, that that erupted yesterday um, 
with the voice actress of Bayonetta and uh, what, you know, her announcement and, and, and are you familiar with all that? Or do you want me to kind of recap what's going on? No, you're going to have to recap. I was completely like unplugged yesterday. So yeah, I have no idea. So you're, are you familiar with, with Bayonetta, the series? I am aware that it exists. Or like, you you know what it is, right? Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So um, I've played the first Bayonetta and um, at least in my opinion, like the, uh, like the presentation was a big part of it. And of course a big part of the presentation is the voice of Bayonetta. And she was very, uh, you know, flamboyant and like, uh, you might say extra, um, Mm -hmm. right. So like a very, like a very character driven series, as you might expect being it's named Bayonetta. Um, so anyway, so Bayonetta three is right around the corner and they recast the lead role of Bayonetta. And, um, so there was the, the former voice actress was Helena Taylor and they recast the role to Jennifer Hale. I don't know if you know Jennifer Hale, but like um, she's a fairly prolific voice actress and like uh, one that I'm familiar with. She actually did the Metroid Prime um, voicing way back when and she did massive. Mm-hmm. She's a very, very prolific uh, voice actress. So uh, actress Helena Taylor kind of took to Twitter yesterday and was just like, you know, this is why I was recast because um, Platinum Games offered me four thousand dollars as a final offer to do this work and um you know that was you know she said that that was fairly insulting and a lot of other voice actors uh including like david Hayter, who does solid snake um danny mccray who does league of legend like uh, lots of different people were just like yeah this is ridiculous mm-hmm. um and you know there there are some people that are i'm not going to pretend i'm an expert on voice actors or you know what's fair compensation what's not but um you know, it does seem a little bit, uh, it, it did seem a little bit off. And like, I, I think for an actress like that to, to come out and make a statement like that, like, I feel like it had to be really bad, like a, a yeah. really below industry standards. And you know what, what I would say is that oftentimes when you see an actress um, in, in the voice actor realm kind of get recast, it's to recast them with a, uh, I guess, younger, but really what I'm trying to say is, more inexperienced and what i'm really trying to say is cheaper voice actress mm-hmm. right so yeah the fact that they went from helena taylor to a very prolific voice actor it just seemed very weird um yeah so it kind of got a lot of debate going yesterday and and actually our own uh sean chiplock from from uh, breath of the wild who does mm-hmm. revali who does the great deku tree he weighed in as well and uh, and said quote I was paid approximately two to three thousand dollars overall because it was based on the total number of hours in the studio, which was higher because of voicing three characters in a single game. I made more from voicing some character in Freedom Planet because that game generously gave me sales royalties. So he kind of weighed in and, and said, like, you know, I didn't really make very much off of Breath of the Wild or um, Age of Calamity, anything like that which I thought was actually interesting. I don't know. I, I just kind of wanted to bring it up maybe and, and see if you had any thoughts on it. I, I don't know that I have thoughts beyond like, I think that we should be supporting actors and actresses versus corporations. Uh, I saw a lot mm-hmm. of people kind of saying like, you know, well, it's platinum rights, you know, it's, it's, or it's platinum game right to recast whoever they want, blah, 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 blah. And you know, it is, but like, I still think that maybe, I don't know. It could have been, uh, could have been handled a little bit better. Um, I will say though that you know, I do, I do think that uh, I wasn't as shocked with the Breath of the Wild number as maybe um, some other people were because there was really very minimal dialogue in that game. If yeah. you think about it, you could probably record all of his lines in a couple hours. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just uh, and obviously there's there's a far more extensive voice script for Bayonetta, but I don't know. I just I thought maybe we should mention it, see if you had any thoughts or just. Uh, you know, if you just wanted to say, like, we stand with the, you know, uh, with Helena Taylor and all the other voice actors out there, we could just move on. But uh, I thought it was worth bringing up anyways. Um, Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is actually a mirror of how a lot of jobs are and a lot of corporations are. Like, it's not just voice acting that's doing this. I mean, you and I are living this, I think. I lived this where 
I'm, I might rant here a little bit, but where my previous job, I had so many responsibilities and so many things being added on to me because they were trying to help build me, which is such a load of BS because one, they weren't giving me a title change and two, they weren't paying me more, more for it. So just so anybody's listening, if anybody does that to you in your corporation, do not fall for it. You say hell nah. They're not trying to build you. They're trying to get you to do more work with the dream of getting promoted and they will never promote you. They do not care about you. And it could be the same, same could be said for these corporations making these games and hiring these voice actors, which is just a small part. I'm not sure how much Bayonetta has in it, but it's pretty much small compared to a lot of the stuff that goes into video games. But even still, you know, it's just, it's so weird to me that that like, just in this day and age, it feels like Mm -hmm. nobody is matching the market value of these positions and and then they get offended when we question it or voice actors are questioning it like, hey, you know, I am actually spending hours and hours and hours of my time that I could be on another project yeah. and you're only paying me this much. Totally. That does, it does sound small to me. Like, I mean, I don't know anything about voice acting or, um, you know, what, what they get paid and what's, a, like you said, a good compensation. But to me, like if you're working on a game that has primarily one person voice acting and she has a lot to do and say, and you're spending hours in that. Like, yeah, that doesn't sound like very much, you know? Well, I, you know, the other thing, too, is, like, I feel like it's not even about the quantity, necessarily, about, the, like, the quantity of the lines or the quantity of, like, you know, like, you can have a really impactful voice actor um, or, or let's just, like, actor in a movie. You know what's a great example? Silence of the Lambs. You remember that movie? Anthony Hopkins uh, was in that yeah. movie for, like, 15 minutes. Right? Like, uh-huh. it wasn't very long, but, he, like, he was so impactful, and he made the movie, and he deserves to get paid, right? And, like, mm-hmm. um, I played the first Bayonetta, uh, and, like, the personality that she gave Bayonetta was a big part of that game. Or Like, mm-hmm. you know me, I'm a big Metal Gear fan, and, like, Mass Effect, and, like, you know, without the, the, the talented voice actors and voice actresses in those yeah. games, it's just, like, it's, you got nothing. It's, like, I don't know. I, I thought it was worth bringing up. I hope that... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, she, Helena Taylor called for a boycott of Bayonetta 3, and I, I am a little bit mixed on that. You know, I think all the developers have probably been paid. I mean, I, I probably wasn't going to get this game anyways, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think you should feel guilty if you're still planning on getting it. Obviously, it's a, it's a labor of love from a lot of talented developers yeah. and stuff like that, but it's just kind of as usual. It's the, it's the dudes at the top that, uh, kind of muddle the whole thing so yeah very true yep and then like i said it could be same said it could be said the same for a lot of stuff that are that's happening in our economic world right now it's crazy yeah um all right let's talk some legend of zelda here and let's more specifically let's talk some legend of zelda tears of the kingdom and uh we are going to go through and answer and weigh in on a bunch of uh Bunch of questions that our writing staff have posed to the masses in the form of daily debates, and I think that we should just get it started here, Al, and uh, get to our first one. So, this one comes from Cora, and uh, she asks, what kinds of DLC could we get for Tears of the Kingdom? Wow. It's hard because, like, it's it's hard to, like, see what you're going to get when, like, you know nothing about the game. Like mm-hmm. I think that there's if you if you see enough of a game, you can kind of interpret like okay maybe maybe this could could come down later down the pipe or something like that right like um, I think I think that we would use the DLC for Breath of the Wild as a fairly strong template for what we could get. So I think that there would probably be um, I think that there's probably going to be like like two packs again. And I think yes. that the first, I think it's going to follow the same kind of formula where like the first one is maybe like a, an optional kind of challenge. It's got stuff like either your like cave of trials or your boss rush or like kind of whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just extra stuff in the game, maybe some extra enemies, stuff like that. Um, and I think that the second one will probably be a little bit more substantial. So we're talking maybe like an extra dungeon if that's a thing in this game or we're talking um like story uh maybe a new area something like that i i think it'll follow the same kind of structure that the champions ballad and the the master trials set forth though yeah i was thinking the same thing because age of calamity kind of did that where they had two yeah. waves and 
Um, unfortunately, the second was a little bit disappointing, uh, maybe because we were thinking it was going to be similar to Breath of the Wild, how they released something a little more, uh, like, item-heavy on the first one, but then a little yeah. bit more story-heavy on the second. Um but but I I feel like that they found a good groove with that and they could do that where it would be something where we can get more items, more weapons, more I don't know if clothes are going to be a big thing in this game. I I, think so. I so maybe more clothes. Um but like the second wave is definitely going to be something a lot more substantial. I I would love to see for once in a Zelda game like post game content. Like you you've beat the big bad and mm. you're doing stuff in the post game. I feel like we never get that with Zelda. Like it's usually it's usually content where you're still within the main story of the game and you haven't quite even though you may have beat the big bad before, but in the game, it's technically not beat. I would love to see something that's like, okay, we beat the big bad. What are we doing to the world now? I because we do that with Pokemon and I love it. Right. Yeah. So I'd like to see that. I I uh I think that that would be cool. I don't know. I don't know if they would do that or not. Like I, I don't know either, but it would be cool. But yeah, I mean you're right. Like we do get that with Pokemon. Um, mm -hmm. So like, there's no reason why. I mean, like, Pokemon's kind of like its own island yeah. almost. I can't think of a whole lot of other Nintendo games that really have post game content in it. That would be cool though, or at least like, at least like adjacent content. You know, like maybe I don't know, maybe like something that's happening before the final boss, but, like, in a different kingdom and as, like, a different character. I, I don't know. Um, maybe. You know, maybe what they could do, if you're not playing a Zelda in this game, maybe you could play a Zelda in the DLC. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, Although I that can't, would be kind of cool, too. I, I don't see that now that I say it, because I think that if you're going to do that, like, you want to sell that in the main game. I don't True. know if that would be, you know, exclusive to, to DLC. That's so, fair. I don't know. I think this is the, okay. Let's keep a running tally of how many times I say this during this podcast. But like, we just we don't know anything about this game, so it's just like <laughs> I don't know. Yep. We can't make any educated guesses. Um, yeah. Did you see that new Pokemon, by the way? It's like a big uh, uh, the little bloom guy, little blob, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's cute. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I I kind of feel like I'm not as jazzed for this next Pokemon game, even though I think it'll be really fun. I don't know why. I think. I had such success with not paying that close attention to um, Arceus or Arceus, whatever, um, so that when I played it, it was so much fun. So I've kind of been doing the same with uh, <clears throat> uh, Scarlet and Violet. However, I've been paying attention to the exclusives because they seem like yeah. they really differ to me than previous games. And so I pretty much know I want Violet at this point. So Well, I think like... Sorry, this is like a Pokemon sidetrack here. I think like I just want them to start like showing some more stuff here. Like we're like a month away from this game coming out. Like give me some, give me like the the Violet region Diglett or whatever. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> give me something cool. Diglett was a poor choice because there is a new Pokemon called Wiglet, who many people yes, have been Wiglet. calling the. Let's just move on. Actually, uh, <laughs> let's. Okay, this is also this is from Shakel, and Shakel asks. What do you think is happening on Hyrule's surface in Tears of the Kingdom? <laughs> what do you think, Al? Like, you go as first. Far as, <laughs> as far as what, like, you know, is it, are, are we talking uh, so about my, the my interpretation, that things are yeah, going uh, up in the air? My interpretation is, like, what's happening on the ground to make all this stuff, all these pockets of ground oh, okay. shoot up? Actually, I have a thought. Um, and it's probably the like way off base, but um, I was kind of wondering when I was replaying Breath of the Wild, I might have talked about this a, a previous episode, but when I, my recent playthrough, um, the amount of like Sheikah technology that is underground is just like startling. It's so weird that all of this stuff is underground. And those spires that come up around the castle, the five spires, they hold all the guardians, right? But they're right. like coming up from underneath the castle. I'm wondering what else is underneath there. You know, besides like the observatory where you fight, uh, uh, or I guess it's not as the room where you fight Calamity Ganon is also like Sheikah yeah. technology. So I'm wondering if there's like more going on beneath Hyrule than we know that like possibly makes these uh, islands rise. Yeah. Um. Also, you know, uh, the final dungeon was also underneath like the the um shrine of resurrection. All that she could technology under there. Why is it all underground is my question. So I'm wondering if there's more and if it has anything to do with all the stuff that's rising. 
Yeah, you know what? I really hope... This kind of ties into our DLC talk that we just had, but, like... Oh, you're clearly right. Something is clearly going on underground in Hyrule. And I really, really hope that, like, they acknowledge the the events of the Champions Ballad and, like, that there's a fifth Divine Beast and that that was underground. Like, because I think that that's kind of cool. Like, kind of mm-hmm. ties in and, and whatever. So, like, I hope that they acknowledge that. So, I took a look at this daily debate, by the way. And uh, so, Cora's talking about, like, you know, there or Shkel, rather, is talking about there is, like, a malice just spewing out of death mountain which there is there's tons of malice around the castle it looks like there's like a big cyclone or tornado over on uh the hebrew region um yep. so it looks like there's something kind of going on with uh with the surface of hyrule i think my theory is like i think that what we saw in the very first trailer um like the very very first trailer is probably the opening of tears of the kingdom where mm-hmm. Link and Zelda go down and, you know, that thing attaches itself to, to Link's arm. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's going to be at the beginning, if not, like, maybe not the opening cutscene, but it'll be, like, very, very close to the beginning. Um, and I think that whatever happens there is going to trigger whatever happens to all, like, the, the parts of the ground. So, like, you're going to see that stuff flying up and, and, and all that different stuff. So I, I think mm-hmm. that that's going to be closely related um what exactly that is we'll see but uh, i i think it's a safe bet to say that that is going to be you know tied together um okay this is from sid what are your thoughts on the dragons in tears of the kingdom so the dragons um are referring to the murals or referring to the um like the logo of the game you know listen um you know a couple weeks i don't know if it was last week or the week before but we were talking about like how Okay, like we're not in, we're not gonna jump to conclusions and say that one hundred percent the Zonai tribe are involved in this game, but there is uh, there is some pretty decent evidence that that could be the case. I'm not gonna go ahead and say like I'm gonna say for sure they're gonna be involved, but uh, I think the dragons clearly refer to the to the Zonai tribe. Those those ruins were those dragon head ruins were everywhere. In um, where is it, the Spring of Courage in Breath of the Wild that has them? Like in the Faron region. Yeah. Um, so you can see those in by the Spring of Courage in, in Faron. You, I mean, you can see like the exact dragon head that's in those regions, essentially in like the green circle around. That green circle has a name. Why can't I ever remember what it is? I, whatever. I can't either. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so you can essentially see that exact head in that green circle so it it seems like pretty it seems pretty reasonable to assume that they are obviously connected um so that would be that would be what i would say but uh you know again we i'm I'm not i don't want to say 100 percent for sure but uh it seems it seems like that's a pretty good direction i wonder like I, I also agree. Like, that kind of feels like the direction we're going because of the similar statues that we see in the Farron region and the, associ- the association we know that they have to the Zonai tribe. But I kind of wonder if, like, Nintendo's trying to throw us for a loop with them because, like, maybe the Zonai aren't the only ones who use those dragons as, like, right. some kind of form of their architecture or beliefs or whatever. Like, I kind of wonder if it has anything to do with, like, a certain, like, type of sky people, because there's, like, shrines and stuff up there, too. I haven't seen any kind of dragon statues, Mm. but I just wonder if there's any relation. Or maybe we're gonna get multiple things. Maybe we'll have, like, some Zonai stuff um, at war with, like, the sky people or something. I don't know. Or maybe they are the sky people. Maybe they are the sky people. I don't I don't know. When I think of sky people, I think of something a little bit more graceful and aren't the the Zonai are kind of are a little bit more rough, aren't they? Ouroboros. That's the there word. You go. That yeah. is which I should really know because I'm playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and like the big mechs in those games are called Ouroboros. But oh. uh, yes, the Ouroboros is an ancient symbol depicting a serpent or dragon eating its own tail. Mhm. So there you go. It's a symbol there used in alchemy. Um, so I, I think it's probably safe to assume that the dragons are related to the Zonai tribe. I th- that's, a, that's as good a hypothesis as I've seen. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. This is a great question. This is from Rod. Was Nintendo justified in withholding Tears of the Kingdom's title for so long? I have an answer, Al. 
but I want you to go first. What do you think? And of course, the reason that they withheld the title that they told us is because it was a spoiler. So, um, I'm kind of, like it's hard to say because with like hindsight, I'm kind of glad that they did because if I knew this title a year ago, I would still be like I I feel like I'd be more mad that this game hasn't come out yet. But with the with the reasoning they gave us, I feel like. I feel like that was a silly reasoning because to, to us, we don't have enough information to try and figure out what that spoiler is versus if we had like if we had more information, I can kind of understand because I feel like we're going to understand the spoiler once the game comes out. I feel like we're going to be like, oh, it makes sense, like why right. they were worried about that. But since they barely give us any information about this game, I don't know. I don't think they're justified in holding it that long, at least for the reason that they stated. So I don't either. I think that it was a poor decision. I, I think that this whole marketing for this game has just been so weird. Like, so weird. Like, we are... We're going into November in two weeks. Yep. We have six months before this game comes out, and we've seen not, not much, right? Like, we've talked about this incessantly, but I will say that, like, again, just to make this point, when we saw the trailer reveal with the name reveal for Breath of the Wild... You kind of had like a good idea what this game was about. Yes, it wasn't the story trailer that, you know, everybody still talks about. The greatest trailer of all time. But you had an idea. You were just like, okay, this is an open world. It's a different type of Zelda. You're cooking. You're sailing. You're like, you had a good idea what this game was about. This game, you, you don't know what it's about at all. And um, that, I, I guess like, I kind of interpret that that's a story heavy game, maybe because of that. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know. But um I actually, I did read a comment, and I forget who it was, so I, I am sorry. But I'm going to cut Nintendo a little bit of slack, because they did say that the title was a spoiler. And I don't think, you look at this title, it's definitely not a spoiler. It doesn't spoil anything. But, the logo around the title, the Ouroboros, that could be, maybe, considered a slight spoiler. Um, in that it kind of points a finger at the Zonai tribe and says like, I, you guys are on the right trail. These guys, if, if we are consistent with our imagery, it seems like these guys will play a decent role in this game or some kind of role anyway. So mm -hmm. that, I mean, that could maybe be a, considered a spoiler. I wouldn't think so, but uh, maybe Nintendo thought that they needed to keep a secret that the Zonai were involved. Uh, I don't know, but I, I think in general, no, they shouldn't have withheld it. They, I, I would just like this whole release schedule. I just, I don't understand it. Like, it just seems like they're just like, yeah, we got this game. It's a sequel to Breath of the Wild. So it's going to sell like a million bajillion copies. And like, we don't really have to market it that well. And, and like, they're not wrong. Like, it's going to sell well. It's probably going to be great. But like, it just seems like their attitude towards marketing, the revealing and everything has just been very flippant. Like, just... Whatever, you guys are going to buy it. Here's like a little sneak trailer. That's all you need. Like, uh, it's Breath of the Wild too. We know you're going to buy it. So why do we need to show you a trailer, right? I, I don't know. It's just like this whole thing has, uh, it's just, it's been weird. So no, I don't think that they were with, uh, justified withholding the title. Um, the best I got is like, maybe they were concerned that people could piece together the Zonai link through the, uh, through the Ouroboros. But I mean, people have been calling for Zonai for like the last couple of years already. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's this whole thing I think has been confusing and awkward. Mm -hmm. So, um, this actually isn't about tears of the kingdom, but I want to make sure that we answer this one. Cause I think it's a really good daily debate. This is from Brandon. What sequence from a Zelda game you love do you dread replaying the most? <laughs> Great question. Do you want to spitball a couple back and forth here? Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a few like um, 900 Koroks I don't want to do again. Um, the whole thing on, oh, what's the name of that island? Tokay Island? Tokay Island in Oracle of Ages was, was one of my go-tos. God! I hate so that. Breath of the so Wild, bad. when you have to escort Yonobo up Death Mountain, I just like, yeah. that feels That's like it of... takes like a hundred years to do. And it's like, oh, yeah. dude, come on, move that Goron. That's but... kind of similar to the escort in Twilight Princess too with the, the carriage. I, I feel that way about that part of the game too. 
Listen, there's there's a couple moments in Twilight Princess we could say the intro, <laughs> the the Dominion Rod powering that bad boy up, mm-hmm. the escort mission, <laughs> waiting for the dogs to show. I mean, let, let's not, let's move on from Twilight Princess. Let's not dwell on that. Um, how about Skyward Sword? Is there a sequence in Skyward Sword that's annoying? Um, yeah. You know, I actually, I, mean, I love the tad tones. I, I, I do, but. Like, don't get me wrong. I love each aspect of the, the song of the hero. I just don't like that. It's just like, it feels so excessive after yeah. an already very full long game. Like you just completed, you basically completed the master sword, but they're like, Hey, it's not powered. And you're like, eh, like right. I have to go do all this extra crap. And I love those things. I love tad tones. Like the, the Boca Bling camp is cool. And it's, like, kind of sneaky, and I get it. But, like, it's just so extra, in my opinion. But uh, yeah. I I see we definitely have a couple people in the comments. The Imprisoned in Skyward Sword. I mean, that's got to be it, right? Like, Yeah. I think specifically the second Imprisoned is rough. Because yeah. it's yeah. not that different from the first. And it's, it's not that different from one. the third. Yeah. Like, the first and the third are, like, fairly different. Yeah. Right? But, like, the second one is just, like, ugh. Mm-hmm. So the second in prison is bad. Um, I think the the crawl up to Stone Tower Temple. Yeah. Oh! All this time you have to play the song and do the puzzle. And if you mess up, you got to start over. Yes, oh my God. God that bad. is just the absolute worst. That crawl up to the top of that tower and playing that awful song. So I'm trying to think of Ocarina of Time because I, um, you know, it's my favorite game ever. Mm. But, uh. I sound like such a homer here, but like, I I really think that like, that's kind of like the perfect game, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess if I had to pick a singular moment from Ocarina of Time, maybe the haunted wasteland, but I I can't say I dread it. It's just like, yeah, okay. I I just, I gotta go do this. Yeah. I don't know. It's got, it's got really well paced. It's like a really well paced game. So it's hard to say something. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of all my favorite games, like the Minish Cap. I don't. I don't know that there's like a ton of, uh, I don't know that there's like a ton of stuff in the Minish Cap either, to be honest. Maybe, um, (laughs) I don't know. There is a little bit in the Minish Cap where you have to go back and, uh, empower up your, the four sword for a second time. That might be it. So, um, yeah, it's definitely the imprisoned, definitely, uh, getting up to Stone Tower, uh, Toke Island. Jeez Louise. Uh, (laughs) Yenobo, yeah. that's that's rough. What that else? Is, is there any more or should we just should we move on? I think we're good. Alright. I've tried I'm gonna be thinking about this for, for a while here. Um somebody Rodrigo said everything leading up to the Great Bay Temple. That's kinda rough if you don't have enough bottles. I'll give you that. That that one yeah. can be a little bit rough. Um But yeah, I'm I'm sure that there's a lot more. Maybe this is a good topic. Maybe we'll come back to it one day. Um, let's move on to another daily debate from Alex, and she asks, will Link's motivation delve into more of a gray area in Tears of the Kingdom? Oh, I would love it. I would love it so much. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I actually don't really... I, I don't think so. I don't think so, and I don't think they should. I think that there's a lot of characters, a lot of characters, that are really better off when they're written as like kind of shades of gray characters Mm -hmm. and whatever. But there is also room for those characters that are just like inherently good and inherently bad. Um, Captain America, for example, this guy is always going to do what's right because he is inherently good. And and I feel like I really like that about Captain America because you also have like Iron Man, who's, you know, a character more in the gray. So, I feel like Link to me is is like the the Captain America in this scenario where like I I want him to do what it takes to save the world but like I think that Link should be a character that's like inherently good and not going to compromise anything he's not going to cross any lines to do anything that uh you know is is going to be questionable to save Hyrule or to save Zelda I think that Link should just be inherently good if we were talking about a character maybe like Samus um, I think that that would be great if she kind of had to straddle the line in that gray area or like, you know, there's uh, there's other video games with protagonists like that. But at least for me, I think that Link 
he's better off kind of inherently that that good Captain America kind of dude. Yeah. And I kind of I agree. I agree. Um I just I I find like I really like characters that are morally gray because it kind of makes you question like what would you do in that situation? Totally. And I'm personally a team Iron Man fan. I think I unfortunately Captain America I think he's very boring. Oh, come <laughs> on. He's so much better than Iron Iron Man is whatever. Go ahead. Anyways, um, dude was willing to sacrifice half the universe for a toaster, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> um, I, so like, I get it. And the only way that Link can truly like harness the Triforce too, in like in a in a way that's beneficial for Hyrule and everybody, is if he is inherently good. Because you know the Triforce, it takes your deepest wish and it makes it come true. And obviously, if he had some gray areas. You know, it might not be what is best for Hyrule. So I get that. I do think he should be inherently good. I would just love to see some story elements sometime. Maybe this is more of like a movie or a show like we were talking about mm. last week. If if Link had some like kind of great decisions that he had to make for the, you know, the greater good of Hyrule. That's more of like a movie type thing. But for a video game and for like the purity of what Link has to do, I get it. He should be inherently good. Yeah, and I, and I think that there's room for those characters in Zelda, just maybe not Link, necessarily. We have yeah. a great comment, though, from Rodrigo, who said, if you think Link's awakening, do you think he did the, the right thing at the end of the game by waking up the Windfish? And, like, that's that's probably as close to a kind of gray area as, as Link has ever found himself in. Although, I guess I would say that is, like, there really wasn't an option to not wake up the Windfish, because it wasn't real, you know? Like, he was mm -hmm. trapped there, but it wasn't real. Even though it... It was real, but like it, it really wasn't. So that's a great question. I think that's why uh, Link's Awakening sorry, is such a fantastic Zelda game. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that, like, you know, so so say Link's Awakening, it's just like you have a decision to make at the end of that game or whatever. Like I, I think that could be compelling, but I also do just kind of like that Link is like the, you know, he he's kind of like I I see what you're saying when in relating to like what would I do in that situation. But I do think that he can be the type of character that's just like, this is who I aspire to be. Not like yeah. what would I do, but like this is kind of the, the paragon of goodness that I aspire to yeah. be. So Yep, I get it. Yeah. Um great question though. Great question. Um Okay, this also isn't about Tears of the Kingdom, but it's kind of about Tears of the Kingdom. This is from Kat. Did Ocarina of Time or Breath of the Wild have a greater impact on the Zelda series? This is a great question. So I think... Uh, I'll, I'm going to go first here, Al, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Go for it. I think that the answer is Ocarina of Time for now. For now. That could change. Um, because I think that Ocarina of Time obviously has like a 20-year head start on Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. um, so, and when you look at essentially every single 3D game after Ocarina of Time, including Breath of the Wild, has the DNA of, of Ocarina of Time, like particularly Majora's Mask, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword. Breath of the Wild certainly reinvented it, but even with Breath of the Wild, you can still feel that Ocarina of Time influence there. Um, now, I think that Breath of the Wild is going to be the new standard and very well could kind of reshape the Zelda franchise going forward in much the same way that Ocarina of Time did. But I think that uh, we need to give that time and see like the longevity of it and see... You know, is this going to be like how all Zelda games go moving forward? Or are we just doing Breath of the Wild and then we're going to do Tears of the Kingdom and then we're going to like scale it back kind of thing. So I think I think both would be on my Mount Rushmore of Zelda games. But I think Ocarina of Time is probably the the leader, at least right now. I agree. I think I think it's because there was a whole era that followed Ocarina of Time versus Breath of the Wild did come out. It's very innovative. It's very new. And it could reshape the future. It could be the new era of Zelda. But we don't know yet because we haven't experienced it yet. So I think that for now, we know what we have experienced. And it was right. the era of post-Ocarina of Time Zelda. So Ocarina of Time definitely has shaped the series to what it is now. And perhaps Breath of the Wild could do that. Could reinvigorate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let me see if I can get my years straight here. So... How many years is it from, how many years is it from 1998 to 2003? Five, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's absolutely wild? In five years after Ocarina of Time, we had Majora's Mask, 
and the Wind Waker and two games on the Game Boy Color come out. And mm. in the six years since Breath of the Wild, uh, we've had a lot of remakes. I'll, I'll give them that. But like we've had no new Zelda games except for Cadence and Age of Calamity. So it, like it, there hasn't like five years on from Ocarina of Time, it was there. Like you could see it. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker. This, this has a huge impact on the series. Twilight Princess didn't come out that much later after either. Um, Breath of the Wild, we're still waiting. Yeah. We're still waiting. So, um, okay, here we go. Should, this is from Michaela. should Tears of the Kingdom include a secret boss? In like what way? Like you have to go Let me tell you. Let me tell you a fantasy of mine. Okay? A fantasy. Because I don't think it'll come true. (laughs) I had this idea. Okay, so you know know when you're playing Breath of the Wild, right? And Mm -hmm. there is a a million Hinoxes or Mm -hmm. Lynels or Stone Taluses or whatever. And they're pretty cool. But eventually you're just like, man, it's another Hinox. I better beat this guy. Yep. What if? I floated this idea before in the show. What if, Al... You were exploring, and you're just, like, on this really weird region of Hyrule, or kind of on the edge of the map or whatever, and all of a sudden, this big, ginormous monster pops up. He's got three heads. You look, and you're just like, it's Gleok. What if, (laughs) what if they had, like, optional bosses hidden in the overworld? And when I say bosses, I just mean, like, it would replace your Hinoxes or your really tough Lynels. What if they were like the original OG bosses of like the original Zelda game or like Thunderbird was there from Zelda 2 or like something like that. That would be such mm-hmm. an awesome. First, it would be sweet to see those guys in like full 3D, but it would be an awesome callback to the like the original games. It would be so much fun. It would add a little bit of spice to the map so you're not fighting like the same things over and over and over again. That would be so sweet. That, that would be kind of what I would be hoping for in terms of, like, a secret boss where, like, you can get to a little section on the overworld and find, like, a really tough enemy who's, like, a, a boss. That, that I think, could work really well. Gotcha. Okay, I mean, yeah, I feel that. And I'd love, like, a secret boss just in, like, the sense you're exploring and it's something different than what you've been facing before. And you don't really have to do much to get to it, like, you know, like a dungeon uh, that would feel like a secret boss to me. Like if you found a hidden cave and there's some big old monster in there that you haven't faced yet, that would be cool. I think that would be kind of cool because then, then you would like know for future playthroughs, like, hey, there's that where that, where that weird guy is that doesn't even match like the you know the status quo that we know of this game. That'd be kind of cool. Right. Yeah, I think that would be like sweet. I think that there's there there should be optional bosses. Absolutely. You know, we've talked about Monk Mask Kashia on this show like ad nauseum amazing <laughs> boss yep why not right like why not i think that would be totally cool and and like it would be something that separates tears of the kingdom from breath of the wild and makes it tears of the kingdom you know and not yeah. breath of the wild too right so yeah um, okay this is another one from shakel should link have a companion in tears of the kingdom question i don't know i um i i think that like i think the companions are maybe so here's the thing about companions companions were essentially put in the game to serve as kind of your like this is how you do this or like this is how mm. you know you z target like a like a guide but like a, a tutorial almost as well to, to yeah. tell you how to do stuff and i feel like with breath of the wild you don't really need that because you have loading screens that say like press this to do this or whatever. Right. Like, and Mm -hmm. and it kind of tells you that. So I don't think that you need a companion in this game as much as you maybe needed a companion in Ocarina of Time or in, you know, some of those other games. I think that's why you see, well, I was going to say, I think that's why you see less companions in the 2d games, but I guess like even like Minish Cap, you got a companion. Um, I can't remember if you do or not in Link Between Worlds, but, um, not, not I really. I don't think so. So I feel like those have kind of been phasing out a little bit as we go on. But I do think that a good companion can add to the game. You know, we did the, the shows on Spirit Tracks. And I think Zelda was a good companion there. So I don't know. I, I feel like on one hand, maybe it's a little bit overdone. 
and and maybe we don't need it, especially if like your focus is like this giant open world that's kind of yours to explore at the way you want to explore it. Like, you know, if 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 you had Navi pinging at you every minute while you're doing something completely off the beaten path in Breath of the Wild, I think that would have detracted. Um, but I do think that if done right, it can add to the story. I get. I'm gonna say no. I I guess I think I'm okay to move away from that, but I. Wouldn't hate. I don't know. What do you think, Al? Miss companions, actually. I really miss them, and I understand where you're coming from that they're kind of used in a tutorial uh, sense, but I don't think they have to be because we've seen them be successfully used for story as well. Like Navi leaving was very emotional. The growth that you have with Midna was like pretty significant. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the emotion that Fi is able to show at the end, it, like, kind of brings a tear to your eye when she goes back into the sword. Um. So I feel like they have they have components to them that are more than tutorial. And I would love to kind of, I would love to see that. I'd love to see, I don't know, is there going to be a return of Fi? Because we've seen her pop up in Breath of the Wild for a hot minute. Um, is, is Link's arm going to have like some sort of like sentient connection to whatever being gave him those powers or messed up his arm? Like that would be kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Um we know that Link can, well, I don't know if it, he's susceptible to be spoken to telepathically, obviously through Zelda and characters like Sahasrila and stuff like that. So I wouldn't mind seeing something like that. Uh, Saria, too. I would just love to see something a little bit more. So it doesn't feel like you're so alone in a big open world, you know? Like, I'd love to travel and explore with somebody. I think I cracked the code while you were talking. The words you gave, The words you were saying gave me the code for the correct answer for this. We should have a companion, but we're going to do something different. The green stuff that comes over Link's arm gives him a yeah. direct connection to the corpse of Ganondorf. So your companion Ooh. could be Ganondorf. Remember the, the cool. Cyberpunk Zelda episode we did where like yeah. you had the, the AI Ganondorf trying to like influence you to be a bad guy? What if that came back in Tears of the Kingdom? That would be cool. That would be like something different, a fresh take on an old gimmick. I think that could be uh, pretty It would be your slick. touch of some morally gray there, too. Yeah, know? totally. Or you would have to overcome the gray. I think we're on to something here, Al. I think we are cool. on to something. Um, okay, this is from John. How many amiibo will we get for Tears of the Kingdom? Well. A lot. <laughs> uh, how many did we get for Breath of the Wild? We got, we got the four champions. We got the guardian. We got the bokoblin. Two links, Zelda. Um, at least ten. At least ten, and I'm missing one. I think. Okay, so there's at least ten, mm -hmm. uh, if not more. Unfortunately, my amiibo collection is on the wall right beside me, facing the door, so I can't actually see it. Oh yeah, mine's right behind me up there on the shelf. I think it's safe to say. That, so you know that statue that showed up at uh, in Tokyo, uh, yeah. the Nintendo thing in Tokyo. I will eat my hat if that exact pose is not an amiibo. Like that <laughs> that exact pose where Link's doing this, that will be an amiibo. So there's How many one. Hats do you have to eat, Andy? <laughs> well, I never lost a bet so far on this show. <laughs> I I'm thinking that there will probably be. I'm sure there will be another amiibo of Zelda. I'm sure yeah. that there will be an amiibo. Short-haired Zelda of, would be cool. Yeah, short-haired Zelda. I'm sure there will be an amiibo of like Shaggy Link, you know, and his like. Yeah. In his green tunic kind of deal. Probably be an amiibo of Ganondorf or whoever that happens to be. And, um, I don't know. I could see another creature having an amiibo, like a dragon or something like that, if there's going to be some kind of dragon in this game, which seems like there could be. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. There's going to be a few. I would say at least probably like five or so. Yeah. My thing is, like, there's going to be enough where I'm just going to be like, oh, my gosh, there's another amiibo, and I have to get it because yeah. I have all the Zelda amiibo, and I feel like I would – it would kind of suck if I stopped that collecting that now. But – and yeah. they know how to make money off of us. Like, Funko Pop does a really good job, clearly. I have, like, two bookshelves full of Funko Pops. So, like, it, it's – it's they're going to they're gonna be sufficient, I think. There's going to be at least 10 again. I have exactly one Funko Pop, and it's actually right here. See this little guy? Oh, nice. I <laughs> love it. I don't uh, want to count how many Funko Pops I have. It's embarrassing. Uh, yeah, so I, I think there's going to be a lot. Uh, let's put it that way. And uh, I'm fine with that. Like, I, I think that, I don't know, I, I'm okay with uh, buying Amiibo 
for the game. And, like, you don't have to if you don't want. I think that, like, as long as you keep kind of the same kind of consistency that Breath of the Wild had, where it was just, like, purely aesthetic things were, were locked behind that amiibo, I, I think that that's fine. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm sure that there will probably be a lot. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's keep on going here. This is from Shakel. What is on Link's hip in the Tears of the Kingdom trailer? So, uh... <laughs> Link has, like, something... I'm going to try and describe this thing here. It kind of looks like the satchel that he had in Twilight Princess that collects the Tears of Lights, but it looks like like vials, almost, of, like, that green stuff. Um, yep. I don't know. I mean, that, that seems like kind of what it might be, is, like, you know, maybe... Maybe, like, a... It's like some kind of power-up or something like that. Like, if you can collect... Uh, let's just call this green stuff, like, ether, okay? If you if you collect, like, enough ether, maybe you could do something, like, super powerful with your arm or whatever, but, like, you only can use it four times or eight times or whatever. It may be, like, the more Koroks or the equivalent that you find in the game, the more you can expand your, like, little ether pouch or something like that, which allows you to use, like, your big moves a little bit more. I could see that maybe, uh, you know, maybe being a thing. That's the best guess okay. I got. I just had a thought. We've all been so focused on collecting. What if we already have them to begin with? What if we're What if we're using them to purify things? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I kind of wonder if that's an idea. Because, like, you've got, like, we were talking about earlier with the surface being all jacked. You got all this malice coming out of the castle, coming out of, you know, Death Mountain. You got that tornado off in the distance. Like, what if you, go, what if you use the tears that have obviously some kind of significance or spiritual powers in them and you use those to purify and that's why some of the vials are empty because maybe that link that we're seeing has already been through some of those trials i mean hey that's as good as guess as any right that's that sounds right? perfectly plausible to me yeah um my god i just like give us something i wish, we had more info. I wish, <laughs> I wish that we knew anything i wish we knew something about this game um uh, but yeah that no that seems like a pretty good guess to, i think both of those guesses are Yep. You know, just as likely as maybe anything else out there. So, yeah. Um, okay, let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. We kind of answered this one already about Nintendo's marketing team. Um, so let's go to another one from Shaquille. Well, Tears of the Kingdom involved the Zonai tribe, so we've kind of touched on this already. Maybe it's time that we just put our all of our chips on the table here, Alan, just definitively say yes or no. What do we think? It's not fair. Let's Let's be bold. It's time to be bold, Al. Give us your answer. I'm going to say no. Okay. Okay. I don't have a reason. I'm just saying no. I've been a big skeptic of this Zonai tribe. I'm, I shouldn't say I've been a skeptic of the Zonai tribe. I I think that, um, you know, obviously a bunch of people came up with this theory years ago and, like, wasn't really biting on it because I don't think that there is enough evidence. I do think that the, the Ouroboros heads... I think that's a little bit more evidence now to show us that perhaps that the Zonai tribe is going to be involved. I'm not as sold as like everybody else. Cause I do think that like Nintendo likes to do weird things and they don't always exactly make sense. Right. And, um, I could just see them like teasing it. And then it's like completely not a thing at all because it's not like the Zonai tribe were mentioned at all in breath of the wild. Like yeah, barely, right? Like barely. Um, and aside from the Ouroboros, we haven't seen any of the other imagery associated with them. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Barbarian set is what came from the Zonai tribe. Is that right? I would have to double check that, but yes, I think so. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and if it's not, there's like, there's one clothing set that, that says it's from like the Zonai tribe. And there's a very brief mentioning of the Zonai tribe in, um, I think it's creating a champion. Mm -hmm. So like, there's not much. There's not much at all. So, like, I'm not as gung-ho as, like, everybody that's just like, oh, they're showing up for sure. Um, but uh, you know what? I'll say yes. I'm going to say <laughs> yes. I feel like I've been beating up on this theory for the last couple of years. And so I just, uh, I'm going to put it out there and say, like, I I want to believe. I just, I can't yet. But I'm going to just put it all on the line and say, yeah, I think that they're going to show up. I think that... Uh, Clearly, like, somebody's showing up. Like, there's going to be some kind of entity that has something to do with this Ouroboros and, like, the, the green ether magical stuff. Somebody is behind it. Yeah. 
Why not the Zona? I don't know. Why not? Right? Like Why not? I agree. Why not? We'll see. We'll see if uh if if I'm made to look the fool or if you are, Al. Um <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. This is from Charles. Is Hylia the person depicted on the mural in Tears of the Kingdom's trailer? Great question. I don't know. I mean, it could be. It's uh I look at it again. Um so it's almost like the person in the in the mural it almost looks like a rabbit almost like the face to me almost looks like rabbit ears or something. It uh I mean I think that it's it definitely could be, but I'm going to say no and I'm going to say that perhaps this is like some kind of like new character like a deity or something like that of the Zonai tribe or whoever whoever the the people behind the green ether actually end up being. I think that this person is going to be someone important to them and um you know, the the mural itself, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven objects floating around it that yep. you could certainly say maybe look like tears, right? So yep. um, I don't think it's Hylia. Wouldn't say it's impossible, but I don't think so. But I think that whoever it is is obviously going to be important in this game. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm looking at it again now. I'm going to say no. I don't think that this is Hylia. I um, but you do see images of a print that look a lot like Princess Zelda. And so what if that's Hylia? You know, what if Hylia is the one that I, I for some reason, when they cross their hands, like I can't even do it. But, you know, they have they, this image where they have their hands kind of crossed, like they're in some kind of right. truce or some kind of agreement or some kind of connection. And so I think it might be Hylia who has this connection with this being. And I don't know if it's a deity. I don't know if it's like some kind of wizard or something i keep thinking of a sorcerer for some reason when i look at it um but yeah i don't think that that being is hylia right um okay this is a great question from heather what merchandise do you hope releases alongside tears of the kingdom i want a puzzle one of those yes. like puzzles that release i i actually still i still haven't put together my skyward sword puzzle i gotta do that uh, because mm -hmm. my wife thinks that puzzles are a winter activity i'm somehow I we went through all of last winter without doing this puzzle. So we're going to do it this winter. I understand, I understand that feeling, oh, though. Don't take it's her the, side. Come on. It's the coziness of staying indoors when it's cold to do a puzzle. And that's how you spend your time. Because otherwise, in warm months, you want to be outside doing outside stuff. Can you see my makes face total, right That makes total sense, Andy Spateri. Come on. Um, I would like. I would like books. I would like guidebooks. Um, I want that to be a renewed thing. I feel like they died with uh, Breath of the Wild. And like art books, I want those to come back because I love them and they collect them and I think they're amazing. My wife just popped up in our Twitch comments for the first time in her entire existence, by the way, to say yes. <laughs> she agrees, yes. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that books would be cool. I think I'm a little like kind of booked out after like creating a champion and the artworks and artifacts and, and all that stuff. I think I would want to see, I would buy a book, but maybe something different, like a different kind of something. I don't care what kind of book it is. Yeah. I just want more. I, I'm not booked out. I feel like those were really cool. The arts and artifacts, the encyclopedia. I thought those were awesome. I do not think that we need three editions of the same guidebook, though, or yeah, totally. three editions of creating. I don't think we need that. Um, I'm kind of over that because, like, I want to collect all of them because I'm such a freak. And it's a lot of money. So just... <laughs> I, but I really like that the quality of them. Um, I especially love like the the uh, um, older guidebooks that have the gilded gold pages. Those are really cool. I just I really liked that piece of merchandise that came with the Zelda games, and I want those to return. Yeah, you know what I want is uh, like f like figures, and I guess that that would probably be in the form of amiibo. But mm -hmm. like I feel like uh, like for example. Um, uh, I can't remember who made it. Good Smile, I think. They just made, like, a really, really cool uh, Samus Figma with, like, the dread suit and whatever. Like, that thing looks so slick. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we'll get something like that with, um, you know, Tears of the Kingdom. But, uh, I like, I, I just, I kind of want, like, that kind of stuff. Like, I like to collect stuff and, like, put it on display or whatever. So, like, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that, like, pretty much everything that 
that we laid out could be uh, stuff that I would be interested in. Um, okay, we've got time for two more, maybe three more, maybe three more. Um, let's do three more. Does the floating structure in Tears of the Kingdom's artwork resemble the temple from Super Smash Bros? This is from Michaela. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw this one. You know what? It kind of does, but I, I think that's probably just a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think cool, it's just a coincidence. But it's kind of cool. The idea is cool because that that um, castle is floating in yeah. the sky. Is that just because Smash Bros. does that with their stages? or? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> or did Nintendo draw inspiration for that and be like, hey, remember this? Let's do something like that. Hey, maybe. Um, I, I I think it's probably just a coincidence because like yeah. the temple is actually based on a Zelda two temple. Right, right, so, right. So you know, but hey, it is cool. It would be so sick if they had a remix in Tears of the Kingdom of the temple theme. Oh my god, that would be so. I awesome. would be down for that. That's super cool. Is that the best Smash Bros? I know you're not a Smash person, but like, is Temple from Zelda the best Smash Bros stage? I think I might say that it is. That's probably my siblings and I our favorite. Cause it's nice and big and spacious and we can get away from each other. I don't, sometimes the really cramped <laughs> ones really kill us. There's like eight. I players. think that's the idea. Yeah. All right. Two more. This is from Alexis. I, uh, I fist pumped when I saw this from Alexis was the tears of the kingdom trailer. Unimpressive. I think, you know, my answer. I do think it was unimpressive. Which one? <laughs> well, the latest, sorry. So she wrote this, um, after we got the title reveal. And uh, I, I do, I think it was unimpressive because like, I just think again, it's like, what is this game about? Like what, like we're, we're at the time we were about eight months away and it's like, I think that we should kind of point in some direction to say like, this is what this game is about. This is the identity of it. And I'm, I'm sure that it has an identity and I'm sh like, I'm sure it has all that, but like, I think that it's probably time to start saying like this this is it like this is what we're going to be doing i think that in what we've seen so far has just been like sizzle reel footage with no context and i feel like i need a little bit of context now to to kind of really start to get really excited so like i think that the trailer this was better than the e3 2021 trailer i thought um but i still think that it's kind of just like i'm waiting for like the what did i say at e3 2021 this was a, a snack and I'm ready to eat something yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm starving. Okay. <laughs> I'm starving and I'm ready to um, eat. And like, I don't want another like little sample size itty bitty mm -hmm. trailer. So I did think it was a little bit unimpressive. I think that that, that word is important. Impressive. I agree. I don't think it was impressive at all. I do appreciate getting little snips here and there, getting a little bit more information, getting a little bit more imagery, getting a little bit more hype. You know, because I feel like the hype has been dying. I do appreciate all those things. But yeah, the important world there is impressive. And the only thing that really, really impressed me was the flying bird thing. And the fact that they gave us a date because I was not expecting mm. that whatsoever. Um. So yeah, that's I, I think that answers your question. Last one. This is from Kat. I love you, Kat. But I hate this daily debate question. <laughs> Could Tears of the Kingdom be the last new Zelda title? I think we both know the answer to this. The answer is obviously no. Um, kind of, uh, you know, maybe not our maybe not our finest article or. But the premise of the uh, question is is like does yeah. have some legitimate like roots, where you know, Cat kind of argues like, hey, like everything has to end. You want to go out on a high. But I, I know this is obviously not going to be the last new Zelda title. Yeah, I mean, could it I be the last fair... new Breath of the Wild esque Zelda title? I can see that. Yes, it's a fair question. I mean, we have had thirty five plus years of Zelda. Like, when will it end? Of course, I'm not asking that because I want it to end. But like, I kind of worry. When will it end? Is there like, is there going to be an end point? Because that would make me sad. I don't want Zelda end to end. So I think it's a fair question, and. The way that things have been weird, like, with how they've been announcing it, how they've been, like, just the length it has taken to get here, it does kind of make you wonder, like, what what's going on with N Nintendo? Are they just not excited about Zelda anymore? Like, why aren't they, why aren't they putting as much effort into this game, marketing-wise, as they have in the past to get us really hyped and ready for the next Zelda game? 
So, I mean, I think it's fair. I think it's a fair question, but I think I also think the answer is no. I mean, like, that's kind of like asking, like, are they going to stop making Batman movies? They might stop are making they? Batman movies with Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale, right? <laughs> but, like, they're going to they're gonna cast Robert Bale? Pattinson eventually and, and kind of <laughs> do it again. And, like, that's exactly <laughs> the same thing that will happen with Zelda. Um, even when a series, like, look at how many games, right? Resident Evil is a great example. That game kind of reached its end point. So what do they do? They're remaking the old ones. Because why not? Like, you know, yeah. it's been a long time since those came out and like technologies came a long way. So like, no, you're not going to, you're not going to see the end of the Zelda series. I think that you can see the end of like certain story points and certain arcs in the Zelda series. And like, could yeah. Tears of the Kingdom be the last big open world Zelda game? I, I think that there's an argument to be made that it could. Because I think that the development of this game in particular just shows you how, like, extensive and how much goes into making this game or a game of this magnitude. Now, when you have sales numbers like Breath of the Wilds, you know, it, it's yeah. worth it, of course. Um, yeah. But I, I do think that there could be a possibility that, you know, we this maybe is the, the last big open world Breath of the Wild-esque game and that's kind of why i was talking about earlier when we were talking about which one had more impact breath of the wild or ocarina of time i think it could be breath of the wild but i don't know like i don't know if they're going to continue making games of this magnitude so um i, I mean I, I think the answer is like completely obviously no it's not gonna be the last new zelda title but it could be the last new zelda title of this kind yeah so i we'll can see. get behind that we'll see We'll see. All right. There is a bunch of Tears of the Kingdom daily debate questions answered for you here. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, thank you to all of our amazing writing staff over at Zelda Dungeon for coming up and uh, supplying us with a, a show and content for our show. We appreciate that. Um, we uh, like we mentioned last week, we're going to be doing something cool, I think, coming up at the end of November. So stay tuned for that. I mean, give us a follow on Twitter, actually, and you'll you'll see our updates uh, on there. Um, at the Zelda cast. But uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us for this week. We're going to get out of here. Like I mentioned, check us out over on Twitter at the Zelda cast at Spateri316 at Allison Aletha. Um, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, Podbean, Spotify, Apple, Google, you know the drill, like and subscribe. Five-star reviews would be great. Uh, we, we love we love seeing those. So, uh, you know, tell your <laughs> friends. Um, and then, yeah, we are going to, we're going to jam on out of here. Until next week, everybody. See you then. Bye.